Hey, this is Rory O'Connor, and I'm Ben's guest on this week's Big Fat Five. What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is Rory O'Connor, a New York-based drummer for the Grammy-nominated band Tycho. He also makes his own electronic music under the name Night Moves, spelled N-I-T-E-M-O-V-E-S. Before joining Tycho, Rory played with Comtruce, another legend in that world of music. But Rory is an insane drummer, and he brings the world of Tycho to life, both in the studio and figuring out how to recreate his own chopped-up grooves for a live setting in the most interesting way. With what I do with one of my projects, Cannons, I look up to Rory a whole hell of a lot. He's got great taste in music, and it's very apparent with the choices he's making when he's creating his own music and the five choices he brought on for today's show. So, hope you enjoy. Cheers. good to go man let's do it all right so so what role did music play in your house growing up oh man it was it was huge uh my dad my dad's a drummer um i mean i listened to him playing a lot growing up um but uh, i would say the bigger influence was just all the great music that my parents listened to and it was it, it was always really really diverse you know there was a lot of like steely dan being played and uh my dad listened to pat metheny a lot and uh you know like michael jackson mc5 uh you know was that was that cool music to you growing up or is that like oh that was your dad's music you know i i don't think i consciously thought about it too much it wasn't like i liked it or disliked it but um now as an adult you know owning a lot of those records it's just kind of like um feel like I don't really have a choice but to like it because whenever I hear it, it's just like, oh, you know, that's just like a Sunday afternoon at my house uh, growing up. Both my mom and my dad, they have very eclectic, uh, diverse taste in music. And it wasn't really conscious at the time, but it probably didn't hurt pushing me towards, uh, you know, playing music. Was your dad your first drum teacher? You know, uh, he never, I've never taken a lesson before. uh, And um i think he kind of like you know it was it was more of a hobby for him even you know he's a he's a really 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 uh outstanding drummer but uh you know he was always trying to kind of steer me not towards uh (laughs) you know playing music as a job or as a career or you don't want anything to do with this dewey yeah 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 exactly (laughs) well how did you first find tycho how'd that come about um well uh my good good friend uh jacob who was the a and r for ghostly for a long long time um he originally set me up playing for calm trues which was another uh ghostly artist another like electronic uh music guy at uh at ghostly 
And I did that for a few years. And then Scott, uh, Mr. Tycho, he had another drummer previously, but um, for whatever reason, uh, he he couldn't play. He couldn't play with him anymore. So Jacob also made the introduction uh, with me to Scott. And I had been listening to Tycho since uh, like 2005 or 2006. So I was, I was pretty familiar with not all of the material, but but some of it. So he sort of made the connection and I went out to San Francisco and we played some songs in his basement and he was like, cool, you got the job. So that was. Oh, so you, you officially auditioned for him. Yeah, sort of. I mean, it was it was pretty informal. It was just like in his basement and he was like, yeah, cool. Great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a, a pretty, pretty long journey since then. Um, it's almost, uh, I think, a little over 10 years now. So it's crazy how time flies. And can you talk a little bit about um, the process making <clears throat> the first record with Tycho, which was Awake, and then yes. perhaps how it's changed over the years? Um, so Awake, Awake was really really fun i would say that that was that's the only record we've done so far that was kind of like a, a truly like a band record where we went to a studio and you know scott just had like a lot of kind of like sketches uh you know a lot of them were just like 10 minute long sort of looping kind of things and went into a studio and just kind of like jammed on them the three of us like sort of in, in different rooms. And then Scott went back and cut up like all kind of like treated the drum, the acoustic drums as like samples and sort of, you know, chopped it all up and made some of the songs into breaks and, and whatever. But like that, when I listen to that album that like, I can hear um, my drumming as, as opposed to like, you know, hits that were sampled and turned into like their own sort of like uh, discrete patterns. There's, there's stuff on there where I'm like, yeah, I remember playing that. And the two uh, Epoch, which came after uh, that one was definitely a lot more heavily sort of like sampled and deconstructed. Um, and I mean, there, there's some stuff on there that I you know can recognize as like stuff that I played, but it was uh, a little bit more abstract. We've recorded so we've done like so many sessions and he has pretty much like this library at this point of like me playing so it's like it's it's kind of hard to uh it, it, yeah it's kind of a bizarre like listening experience because i'm not sure what came from where but you know he he has a big big library of of rory playing drums at this point so he kind of just like pulls a little chunk from here and there it's fun to listen to you guys. I, I think it's, was it a friend, friends with Tycho or Tycho with friends, like a YouTube kind of interview thing he was doing for a oh, little yeah, bit. The, uh, the, um, uh, what was it called? The friendship discussions or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, no, there's, there's an episode, I think it was one of the original, one of the, one of the first ones, if not the first one where you guys were kind of going over a little bit of, um, kind of sessions and whatnot. And just seeing you guys going like, did we ever go back to that studio? Or yeah. was, that, was that that? It's just like, dude, I totally relate. It's like, it's all just one big blur. Yes. But um, I mean, speaking of that and, and kind of how each record's a little bit different when it comes to drum stuff. I mean, there is a through line, obviously, with Tycho's stuff. But is there ever any, and when I say friction, I mean it in a good way with like, you kind of want to do this more kind of style with the drumming. And he's like, well, this one is, you know, keep, I want to make an attempt to do this process for this record. Is there any sort of, 
a friction that then becomes this third thing that was never what he thought originally? Well, I mean, it it is like kind of a um, it's like a pretty abstract process because a lot of times if we're recording a song, he'll have some sort of uh, like drum idea that's already in there as like sort of a scratch idea. And then so that's kind of my reference point for like, you know, we're going to record a beat or, or whatever. And then so then I record that and then he in turn takes that and chops it up even more. So then when it when it comes time to like playing the shows live, it's sort of like uh, it's kind of like me <laughs> playing what I played, but like in like a, a totally like rearranged form. So it's it's a it's it's kind of weird. It's a, it's weird at times, like sort of um, playing over a superimposed like version of me that's not me. But mm-hmm. then like having to relearn like what I played in sort of a different way. It's kind of weird. You, like I, I usually don't think about it until it's time to like play the songs live. And then it's like, oh, I have to like relearn what I played, but in a different, just like different. Yeah, it's weird. That is, that is cool. Yeah, that, that's a mind trip for sure. Well, and then now, since since your camera is not working right now, and I'm just seeing the word night moves, this yeah. is a great transition to my <laughs> next question. Before we get to your top five, which is just, can we can you talk a little bit about night moves, your project, um, and kind of the songwriting process, since that is your thing? Yeah, I mean, so uh, that I started. I've been making uh, like computer music since uh, since high school, basically, like when it was really, really, really. Um, rudimentary like using like a 386 like intel computer and i think uh, i was using like cool edit pro and like hammerhead or something like that like really really old i haven't heard um, words like that in a long time yeah yeah, yeah 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 i mean it was like simpler times for sure um so that's been something i've been doing since i was a teenager and then um i think it was around 2009 um i got hit by a a yellow cab when i was living in williamsburg i was uh riding my bike and this cab just rolled through a stop sign it was really wet my brakes didn't work and yeah just went over the bars over the cab and broke my collarbone and tore my rotator cuff and i don't remember any of it but i woke up in a hospital and uh i couldn't play i couldn't play drums comfortably for um a good like year a little more than a year um so at that point i kind of like i was like i don't know if i want to play drums anymore um i had played in a few bands and like none of them were like super fun um you know like playing at like trash bar and all these like awful williamsburg venues and so during that downtime i just really like got really really into just you know making music in ableton so that was like sort of the um that was sort of the starting point and um you know there there was a point where i was like i don't know if i want to play drums anymore like i i like doing this a lot and it it was really like sort of liberating like having like knowing so much about like how to play drums and like what um i feel like a lot of electronic music sort of lacks that just like the sensibilities of like um what what you would do as a drummer but then also just having like you know control over you know 
like every, every aspect of, of the composition. It was, it was really liberating as a drummer. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, it started with that. Uh, I think the first album came out in 2011, 20, uh, 2010. But, uh, that one I finished when I was on tour with Calm Trues and I was just bored in the backseat of the SUV we were touring in. I was just like working in headphones in the backseat. Um, yeah, ever, was ever that, since, sorry. Is a lot of your stuff in the box or do you like to work with physical gear? The first, the first one I would say is almost entirely in the box, uh, until we got off tour. I had like a Juno in my room or something like that. So there was some, uh, there was some Juno parts, uh, and I had an ARP. So there's some ARP stuff. Oh, actually, no, I didn't have the ARP then we were on tour and, uh, that was with purity ring and neon Indian. And we had a tour stop in Minneapolis and we went to one of Corin's friends houses in St. Paul and they had an ARP set up in the living room. And I remember recording some of the stuff for the album, like, um, onto my laptop, just with like a, um, eighth inch cable, like out of the ARP and into my, into my laptop. Um, so that the first one was pretty much entirely in the box. Um, the second one, I recorded some real drums. I had a couple since at that point. Um, and then the last one don't ask was almost entirely, uh, hardware and like recorded, you know, through a big 16 channel mixer that I had in my house and like actually like mixed it on the, on the console um so yeah it's been sort of a evolution that's rad man everyone go go check out night moves it's wherever you would assume uh, music would be um sounds really rad thank you yeah hey y'all i wanted to <laughs> i can't say i wanted to talk to you about a drum i've recently received from preston at vessel drum co it's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum and it's incredible it's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three-position strainer, 42-strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve Six tour. And I didn't keep it and i regretted it ever since then just because i was trying to pinch pennies at the time and i just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co 
The Instagram's just at Vessel Drum Co. And check it out. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Sounds great. Bye. Well, let's just get into your top five, man. So number one, I'll just kind of list off the, the, the few little, little attributes about it, and then we'll listen to it, and then we can talk about it afterwards, but maybe just like 30, 40 seconds of it. Right. And, um, but yeah, so the album's Gish. Came out in 1991. The artist is Smashing Pumpkins. The song choice is Rhinoceros, and the drummer is Jimmy Chamberlain. So here we go. That guy's so good. This beat is so cool. So simple, but so fun. I mean, it, it, it's funny because, like, Melancholy came out in 90, late 95, early 96 or something. And that was that was my first introduction to the Pumpkins. And that was one of the first CDs I bought with my own money. And it was expensive because it was a double disc. Um, I think it was, like, $30 or... <clears throat> A lot of money, a lot of money for uh, for a ten year old. Um, but this one, I didn't, I didn't hear Gish until years later when I was going through a box of tapes. Uh, they were my dad's. Kind of just like went to what was it like Strawberries? He would go to Strawberries like once a week and just like buy buy a record. But this one, I found must have been in eighth or ninth grade or something like that i was just sort of like going through the tapes and i was like oh smashing pumpkins like i like that band yeah man his his i mean it's just a, a much more like raw sort of like band album and uh think just as like a, a younger drummer like not really interested in rudiments so much and just hearing these like buttery silky single stroke rolls you're like wow okay i understand that i understand single stroke rolls but yeah this this whole album is so good with jimmy the one the the thing that like I loved about his drumming so much that like I hadn't really thought about before was like he like plays he plays the song so well like he accents melodies and the riffs and um, his left foot is like always going he's like doing these like little accented things with his left hand on the hi-hats when he's playing on the ride cymbal and it's just like such a full such a full drum sound and that was like a huge, huge inspiration as a you know young drummer. And I'm sure I know everyone talks about it with him, but he's like a jazz drummer that became a rock drummer. So he has this cool hybrid of a delicate touch, but he can still be really powerful. Yes, very, very dynamic player. And his drums just sound so good. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, good. I'm man. head bobbing. You can't see it, but I'm I'm <laughs> head bobbing.
Well, so yeah, number two, your album is Shock, or sorry, your album is Shack Man. Release year is 1996, and the artist is Modesky Martin and Wood. Um, actually, Billy was a recent guest on the podcast. Where I he listened own... to the whole thing. That was so oh. cool, man. That guy is like such a hero, and just like hearing him talk about like, just yeah, man, that guy's so cool. No, I was just writing notes the whole time. I was just like jotting down because, yeah, I think we ended up talking for like 40 minutes afterwards. He's such a kind guy. True um, artist. Like, man. Yeah, his Instagram. Um, so, yeah, Billy Martin, by the way, is is the drummer we're talking about. Um, he is the Martin in Modesky, Martin, and Wood. The song you did choose is Spy, Case, uh, Spy Kiss. But, um, yeah, his Instagram is so fun. I think it's Illy Beats. Yes. And uh, it's just him just filming himself being weird. And, again, I mean that very endearingly in the studio. Um, it's really inspiring. Uh, yeah, I mean, this one, it was really hard to pick one song. So I kind of just, like, um, threw a dart at the wall. And I was like, you know, this one. But um, Sure. Uh, I started listening to them when I was in high school after getting involved in like the, the school music program, like jazz combo, jazz ensemble and stuff. So we were playing a lot of sort of straight ahead stuff. I can't peg who, who introduced me to them or when, when I first heard them, but it was probably around like my freshman or, or sophomore year in high school. And I, it, it's one of those bands that just found me at a time um when you know I, I you know my brain was just like primed to love it um but there's sort of like fusion between you know kind of like corny funk and sort of out there um jazz and like sort of like packaging it in this sort of like palatable way um like yeah i became like really really obsessed i've probably seen them like 30 something times uh that was like over a six-year period wow <clears throat> they, they don't play anymore unfortunately or like very very rarely but um yeah huge huge influence on me as a drummer um just his his like after i sort of became more educated in jazz like you can hear like he knows all of it he knows all the players and you can like hear you can hear elvin in some things that he does and you can hear yeah i mean just just so many players and it it sort of opened my mind to like playing over the bar or like metric modulation like sort of like turning four four into six eight or, or whatever um and yeah as a as a teenager it was a, a very profound impact mm -hmm. let's listen to spy kiss also really cool like uh the the first drum set i had was uh one that my dad gave me which was like an old uh kind of ratty flingerland um with like the rounded over bearing edges and like when i first got into drums like i wanted to play like green day i wanted to play like smashing pumpkins operation ivy like wanted that like sort of like low thuddy tom sound and like 
slinger or this this set of slinger lens just didn't really do that so i was always like kind of like frustrated um i was like oh i want a new drum set i want a pearl export or whatever and then hearing billy and then also like rage against the machine he has this really uh what's his name um brad wilk brad wilk yeah you know just like a really really great open drum sound and then hearing people with that sound like just like killing it i'm like okay that's cool that's cool yeah i like this drum set sounds really good And also, Billy kind of plays those older-looking, kind of like ratty-looking drum Rogers, sets. Rogers, so there's a Rogers Tower, which I, yeah. I had. I had a set of those for for a while. They were the best drums I ever had. I wish I still had them. Yeah, I have a set of uh, Rogers Holiday Toms, oh. but uh, I, I need to get a matching bass drum. It's like a ginger glitter. They're they're the best vintage drums. Like they're far so and heavy. Away. Mine are heavy. Yeah, <laughs> the floor tom's like a brick. That's, yeah. Old wood. Mm-hmm. That snare sounds so rad. It's so good. He he has my favorite ride cymbal sound ever, and he still plays it. It's I don't I, don't, I think it's an old K or something like that. It sounds so good. been so perfect if he went to the ride right then i mean that's uh that's one of the things i love about billy is like you're like oh you should go like you should go to the ride right there but he doesn't he, d- he just doesn't do it he like plays a weird fill like on one yeah i love that sentiment you said and i've i've thought about it quite often the you were just mentally, uh, I'm paraphrasing what you said, but just mentally and emotionally prepped for Modesky, Martin, and Wood when they came into your life. It was just perfect yes. timing. Yep. It's I mean, like, so many, uh, all these albums, really, like, I was just, like, ready and waiting, and then you hear it, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, what yeah. the fuck is this? And it's just like, I wonder if, if um, like, I'm a huge fan of Levon Helm and the band. Oh, man. But yeah, as a kid, time. I was like, uh, yeah, give me more Travis Barker. What are you talking about? Yep. And so I'm like, but man, wait, wait, what if I, and I'm, I, I'm happy where I'm at. There's a lot of things that I do as a drummer that have nothing to do with that kind of music that I now can do because I grew up with fast, you know, SoCal punk rock. But it's like, I wonder if I would have <laughs> just been those like. Orange County drums. Exactly. Are they still around? I th- I mean I think I think Daniel still like will make them for certain people. The snares um, with like the four inch holes in them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like I wonder if if I would have just at a certain time or a certain month someone introduced me to you know music from from Big Pink and just that would have been my trajectory. It's like how different. Not to be all like grandiose, but my life would be completely different. So it's just like certain records hit you at certain times and they do change your life. I mean, I mean, going back to what what you were asking me about, like the the music my parents listened to. Like, I remember my parents listening to Dire Straits. Probably my dad. Uh, well, no, my mom likes Dire Straits too. But like, I remember, like, I distinctly remember being like, "This music sucks." 
and like when i hear uh uh swing come on the radio now i'm like fuck yeah this song fucking rules exactly i mean i grew up on my dad's construction site with him and so the oldies is i mean probably my childhood should have been like in sync britney spears limp biscuit but for the most part it was like <laughs> ccr beach boys you know oh, love credence but yeah, it's just it's just crazy. It's uh, it blows me away how those little kind of one percent veers can change everything. But yeah, let's just go to number three, and it's live at the Village Vanguard. The release oh, here man. is nineteen sixty two, and the artist is the John uh, John Coltrane Quartet. Um, you said in parentheses because it's actually well, I mean quintet. the album the album is the John Coltrane Quartet, but Eric Dolphy he's the the guy who plays bass clarinet like he's on every almost every song so it's like come on it's not a quartet it's, a quintet. it's like it's like the original featuring Snoop Dogg right. featuring yeah, yeah. Eric Dolphy Eric Dolphy and, on bass clarinet and the song choice is uh, spiritual and of course Elvin Jones which I believe you just referenced you could hear some of that in uh, in Billy's playing so he's the goat greatest of all time just such a fucking amazing human and drummer so, yeah no one no one plays like elvin for sure nope. all right so here we go this is uh looks like the first track off this off this record i believe so yeah building so much tension oh yeah yeah like in high school if you can imagine like a high school jazz program at a public school, like a lot of the, the you know, you read out of the, the real book or whatever. Um, the our band director, Pat Kennedy, you know, they you're like introducing children to jazz for the first time. So they like kind of like throw the really kind of rudimentary. I don't want to say rudimentary, but the easy songs, you know, like impressions, which is basically one chord that then goes up a half step, whatever. And, um, you know, re, re, really fortunate that you know my dad my dad listened to a lot of jazz so like a lot of these records were just sitting around and i didn't know what was what but um kind of like the the coltrane stuff is so fucking cool because it's also like hypnotic a lot of it's just like the same pattern like over and over and over and over again but elvin's elvin swing like you know when you're like 14 years old and you're trying to wrap your head around like how to swing hearing it's not quite triplets, but it's just so round and like kind of just like propelling itself forward and forward and forward. Yeah, man. I 
I love that though. It's not triplets, it's just round. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit tighter than a triplet. Like sometimes it's a little flat and sometimes it's a little round. But um, his phrasing and just the way that, you know, he's just always listening. You can hear, you can hear that he's always listening. Like, it's it's hard to talk about. I'm trying, I'm trying to like put, put these thoughts into words, but it's like, it's hard. I know, I know. It's like music notation only exists because you want to be able to communicate with people. Right. Um, that's the only reason why it even exists. You want to be able to, you know, document things and, and communicate. But it's like the subdivisions he plays he's like okay i don't know I'm, I'm i'm communicating right now so i don't care if it's like a triplet or if it's not or whatever he's just like i'm doing my own thing who knows what he was playing or what was going on in his head he doesn't care he's just expressing himself i mean man like i i had some friends that went to like new school or, or manhattan school of music and like i remember i remember them telling me that they you know they were transcribing an entire like tony williams not the solo like the whole song they were just transcribing exactly what i did and i'm like man what a fucking waste of time that's such a silly thing to do <laughs> just like listen yeah. to, i mean or just like you know I, I always thought that was so weird the the academic side of of uh jazz yeah i mean i guess for certain people not to play devil's advocate because i do believe with i agree with your sentiment your sentiment but it's like i guess for some people writing it that can maybe help them but i don't know for sure I agree. That's that's not. It just seems like something to fill a semester, you know. I mean, you know, it's like was Elvin doing that for what? No, like no, no. like absolutely not. Or like you know, just play. You know, just be yourself and play music. That's. <laughs> You'd be a good teacher. Hey, so this is day one. Just play. Fired. Fired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you all get A's, but also all get F's. Think about it. Bye. Yeah. What? Think about it. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right. I mean, any any more on Elvin? I mean, it's uh, we could talk I mean, forever. Man, long, that, but... that that was a, that was another one where it was like so hard to pick one song. Um, mm. I, I guess I I didn't want to like uh, I don't I don't know what the demographic of this podcast is, so I didn't want to subject. Uh... <laughs> We're all over the place, literally. Uh, we had a, an episode. Uh, well, actually, the one that will have come out before this one, and people were supposed to. Uh, contacted me about a certain top five and uh, I was just kind of getting to know my audience a little more and we have it's all over the place so there's there's we have English teachers we have punk rockers we have it's it's insane all over the place English teachers they're they're not gonna like they're not gonna <laughs> like me um, that's I was joking I was like dude I stumble and bumble over every intro <laughs> and I like edit it afterwards and I'm like you have to put it for the show notes I'm like I don't know how to write so my, interesting yeah. The way I talk, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, unnecessary commas for sure. Um, <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Uh, Elvin, I guess like uh, I think so. I've only I've only taken one drum lesson in my whole life, uh, and it was from this guy Brad Barr, who played in this band called The Slip, and now he plays with his brother Brad in this group called The Bar Brothers. Um, they were based out of Boston and um, my good friend, Ryan Jalbert, amazing, amazing guitar player. Um, he drove me out to Boston. He sort of set the whole thing up cause he kind of knew Brad and Andrew and um, he drove me out to Boston and uh, I took an hour, an hour long lesson with Andrew and uh, taught me like a lot of it. It was really cool because it wasn't like a, a drum lesson where like, play this, play this, play this um he showed me uh 
African bembe notations, which are just like a usually they're um, it's a grid of twelve because most of the patterns are are you know triplet based or whatever you want to call it. Um, and instead of instead of uh, you know standard notation, they're just dots. And Billy Billy actually Billy Martin uh, he has this whole thing about uh like his um he made a book about their like clave patterns like uh, african clave patterns but um it was just so cool because it was so simple and it's like one line is what your right hand is doing the other line is where what your left hand is doing uh and then the bottom line is what your right foot is doing so they're just you know if there's a dot you you play if there's not a dot you don't play anything so he showed me that and that was like really, really eye opening, just playing these sort of like uh, clave patterns um, and sort of like breaking them out across the drum kit. And like as I went on to like teach lessons later, that that like sort of style of notation was extremely uh, useful. And like especially with younger students, they just they got it. It's not all these like weird lines and X's yep. and uh, flags and all that sort of stuff. But the other thing that he recommended to me was to pick up this book, The Art of Bop Drumming by um, John Riley, I believe is John Riley, who was a Manhattan school teacher. And so I got really, really into that book. Uh, very digestible for anybody who's like just like trying to um, sort of like just get into not just jazz music. It's, just, it's a great it's a great uh, drum book. But so as I was like going through all that stuff, that's sort of when um, I started listening to Coltrane and like, ha like having like attempted these these like exercises in this in this book, and then it's like, oh well, you know, he's like referencing a lot of these like Elvin Jones things, and then like hearing it, I'm like, oh shit, like that's what it's supposed to sound like. That's what it's what it's supposed to sound like. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just. Uh, Pretty much anything, anything John Coltrane did from the beginning of his career to uh, to the really really late weird stuff. It's just uh, it's beautiful. I love it so much. What's the uh, what's the name of that that African rhythm that you were referencing? Uh, bembe bembe patterns or like they're they're sort of like extrapolated clave patterns. Okay. A lot of times it's it's the same pattern, and then it's like permutated on the other hand and. The, the right foot is sort of keeping an ostinato underneath it. And, and like, just by changing that ostinato, you can either make it feel like a six, eight thing or like sort of like a modulated four, four thing where the right and left hand are sort of like floating over. It's, it's, it's really cool. Um, all right. So number four, the album is Port Rhombus EP. And the release year is 1996. Artist is Square Pusher. The song choice is Point Rhombus. And the drummer is, uh, yeah, it's there's no drummer. It's there's no Tom, drummer. Tom Jenkinson. It's his mad brain um, uh, is, 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 is the drumming on this. So yeah, let's just listen to a little bit of the song and then we can go from there. I remember a, a friend a friend had burned me uh like a cd mm. you, you remember those when you burn I, I people think, cds i um, think so yeah 
and there was a bunch of other stuff on it but i was like on a uh the, the town i grew up in is like kind of rural um and i remember driving home in my 94 volkswagen passat uh and this was somewhere in the middle but i i I distinctly remember this song coming on and i was like holy fucking shit like fuck drums like this this is what this is where it's at I think there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between this sort of like drum and bass programming and like up tempo bop but like sure. hearing this i was like oh this is like impossible it's like physically impossible and that was like it was so fascinating to me and then of course net you know now there's like kids who can there's like eight-year-olds who can play this this sort of stuff which is just both amazing and and uh depressing at the same oh, yeah. time i'm like oh god This, yeah, but th- this was definitely uh, Square Pusher, like, generally was a huge reason mm-hmm. that I wanted to start writing music on a computer. I was like, this is fucking, this is so far out. And it's just so detailed, man. The song's like eight minutes long, and he programmed every single little step, like, and it, it doesn't repeat itself. Like, it's, yeah, every little bar is like bespoke and. Man, it's like, that guy's crazy. I mean, I don't even know how you would begin to program stuff like this. Is it, does, he, does he do it? I mean, maybe you know, but like at a slower tempo and then he speeds it up? or Probably. Dude, he did all this shit on a fucking Dr. Rhythm. Like the, those like those 90s like um, beat machines that are made for like, uh, you know, like a guitar player practicing. Like it has like... Yeah. And, you know, any basically any piece of gear he's ever gotten his hands on he's just like pushed to like impossible limits that like uh they weren't weren't designed to do yeah um yeah yeah i i don't i would love to have been a fly in the wall when he when he was working out stuff like this it's just it's so it's it's funny so you you bring this up so ian ian masiak was a huge oh god dude yeah, that's basically who I'm talking about. That guy's fucking he's just out of control. Well, he was a huge advocate to get you on the show. He's a huge fan of oh, you, man. Oh man, he's my favorite drummer in the world right now. Guy is just like so inspiring and like it, it's I think we it, we're living in kind of a weird time where um you know, cuz he's just he's putting clips of himself on the internet every single day and it's like you yeah, you are the fly on the wall and he's just like he's playing drums and making music every single day. It's um it's really humbling, really, really humbling. He's such yeah. a talent. He is. A little self-promotion. Ian's been on the show, so go check out that if you guys... Ian hits drums, if you guys don't... Uh, be surprised if you aren't aware of him. But um, yeah, he's amazing. He has a really cool mustache, too, and I appreciate that. Very cool mustache. <laughs> All right, so number five we're just blazing through these is going to be uh the album and i i love uh uh justin is an, is an amazing drummer um but uh yeah the album is you forgot it in people and the release year is 2003 the artist is broken social broken social scene a very uh i don't want to say underrated band because so many people know them but i do think they're an underrated group of musicians um and there's such a unique 
like uh, entity. They're like yeah, a cult exactly, of exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's calling them a band is such a uh, an understate. You know, it's hard to describe them that way. But the song choice is Pacific theme, and and just like you said, yeah, there's 25 people in the liner notes, and half of them <laughs> play drums. <laughs> but uh, at least later on, I know Justin was the main dude, uh, Justin Paroff. But that sounds um, right. But yeah, let's just let's just play this song, and then we can we can talk about it. This feels backwards, doesn't it, from where you want it to be? Yep. Yeah, every single... I swear to God, I've heard the song like thousands and thousands of times. And every single time the downbeat drops, I'm like, oh, there it is. Yeah, I don't, this one's kind of a swerve from the, the rest of the songs. But like this, uh, again, going back to my friend Ryan, the guy that, that brought me to uh, to that drum lesson in Boston. Uh, I moved out to Colorado where he was living and he he turned me on to Broken Social Scene. He was like that. Uh, sound was a couple years old at that point. This is like 2006. But um, I think he was just playing it in the car or something like that. And I was like, holy shit, this is so... I just remember hearing this drum sound and I was like, how do you do that? Like how, like, it kind of sounds like he's hitting the drums really, really hard. But like now, like 37 year old Rory is like, you know, it's extremely compressed. Like, yes, like yes. to the point where like most engineers probably would say no, if you told them to compress the drums as much. But it's like the combination of playing softly and smashing the fuck out of the drums with compression. And like, there's passages in the song where it's just drums and you're like, oh, that's too much. That's too much. But then when you hear it with the whole band, it just like, it gels. It just sounds, yeah. It was like a moment where I was like, I want, I want to figure out that drum sound. Like I want my drums to sound like that. hope we have enough time to get to that that one there's like one massive fill in the song that's just like it's the coolest drum fill i've ever heard oh let's just let's just keep listening it's definitely it's definitely like the the overheads are being side chained off the kick drum so like every time he hits the kick and the hats at the same time does that like yep there here it comes ah <laughs> oh, so good so good <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah this band is so good it's the um 
10 year anniversary of this album coming out this year they're they're out on tour i i hope i can see them at some point oh wow okay Such a That'd great be, record. That would be so fun to play in a band like that. Just like so yeah. many crazy minds. Um, just an ensemble for sure. It's definitely, yeah, one of the bands, you know, like Tortoise or who you listen to it and you're like, oh, I wish I played drums in this band. But then yeah. like, how would you know what to do? Like without even like, <laughs> you think you'd be good at it because you heard somebody else do it already. It's like a, yeah, one of those Catch-22 sort of things. Exactly. Well, speaking of Tortoise, so that was your top five. I did want to play one of your one of your honorable mentions and this is a band i'll be honest i don't really i'm not really familiar with tortoise what? so i know oh <laughs> I know. man which is why i love this podcast because i find so much music that i haven't known and then hopefully someone who's that's listening also is like i'm happy he said who the hell's tortoise because i don't know who the hell tortoise is so let's just listen to tortoise um the song is it's all around you from the album it's all around you or maybe that was just the whole record was there a certain song on that record that you wanted to play uh that that song's pretty good the entire record is fucking amazing man like all oh. their stuff is so good like especially like i don't know yeah it's definitely there's a lot of really really good drums on uh all their songs <laughs> all right so yeah this is this is the uh the, the the titular track from the 2004 record it's all around you by tortoise here we go This is one of those ones, like, I remember the first time hearing it. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, where, like, where, where's the downbeat? What is the, what is the time signature? And it kind of like, there's, there's definitely two drum sets going on. Like, as, like, it, a, a lot of their, a lot of their music has uh, two drum sets. But like, it sort of floats in this, like, one guy's playing 3-4 and the other guy is like playing like the sort of ostinato 4-4 four, four thing. And... Yeah, and then eventually, like the downbeat, like becomes apparent. I, I just remember being like, "Oh, holy shit!" Like I had no idea what I was listening to for the last forty-five seconds. Yeah, I'm like nervous to bob my head because I'm yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a interesting. Uh, what is it? it was uh, when Tchaikovsky debuted the Rites of Spring in Paris? Like people, like. You know, that was like some of the most like abstract music that, you know, that had been played in public at up to that point. And like your brain wants to wants to hear patterns and it wants to understand things. And when your brain can't understand things, usually it releases serotonin and dopamine to placate 
to placate the brain because it just like doesn't understand. So anyway, he played. They debuted right right to spring, and um, uh, the crowd rioted, and they like tore the theater down and smashed chairs and punched each other. S- sort of a tangent, but like when I when I hear I music it. like that, where I'm like trying to trying to figure it out, and I'm like I don't hear it, I don't hear it, and then all of a sudden the downbeat clicks, and you're like, holy shit, that's so fucking cool. No, I love yeah. that. I'm 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 with you. Yeah, me and uh, uh, Gunnar Olsen, and uh, we, we've had a few podcasts on here where we just bring in songs. It's called Where's the One? And um, it's songs that we've just, throughout our career, we've just like, I never knew where the one was until now. I can't not hear the one. But when I first heard it, it's like, what the hell's going on? Yep. Um, There's so really, many. There's yeah. so many of those. Well, I mean, I'm sure you do things outside of Night Moves and Tycho. So what, um, I mean, that's your, to, to kind of... Uh, bow end the show here or put a little nice little bow on it um maybe talk about a little bit about what, what you've been doing uh if you want to talk about anything you're releasing or you can just say no nah, i'm good man have a good day uh i mean i've been i've been plugging away slowly on another night moves album for i mean shit the last one came out in 2016 so yeah eight years it's it's a little embarrassing and uh i feel like yeah it I don't want to say it's depressing, but I get I get notes from fans every once in a while, and they're like, "When are you going to make a new album? When are you going to make a new album?" And I am trying. I'm trying as hard as as I can. Um, and uh, hopefully, I actually have I have an ambient record that's done, um, and I'm going to try and put that out in the next month or two. Um, I take a lot of photos. Um, that's just like a, you know, another, uh, I don't want to say hobby cause that makes it sound casual. It's like a, a pretty big part of my life. I love taking photos. Um, so doing a lot of that, uh, me and, uh, my fiance, Audrey, she just got a large format printer. So we're hoping to start like printing some photos and like, that's I've awesome, never, dude. never done that before. So that's really exciting and, um, looking forward to getting into that um yeah outside of music and photography play a lot of tennis uh again with audrey she kicks my ass every single time but that's that's me and my girlfriend's like main sport we do together as well i love it it's the best man it's so much fun and like Mm -hmm. you don't i kind of feel bad for like you know i guess if you're a soccer player you can kind of just like kick a ball around but like you need 25 dudes to like play soccer and tennis like i guess the the it's you know finding a court can be sort of annoying sometimes but you know you just need uh a racket a couple balls and one other person that you can stand to uh be 90 feet away from for an hour and a half so my bandmate uh billy uh he plays plays everything he's an outstanding keyboard player guitar player bass player um okay drummer he's an okay drummer uh but he's an extremely good tennis player so he's kind of the the tour tennis partner Mm -hmm. and uh he's always told me that you have to have like you have to have three friends that you play tennis with like one that's a little bit worse than you one that's pretty much the same as you and one that's slightly better and any once you get outside of that sort of um that sort of uh zone it's not fun like if you're playing against like a beginner, it's not fun. And if you're playing against like someone who's just going to wallop on you for 90 minutes, it's also not fun. You don't learn anything from getting your ass kicked like bagels, you know? 
He should make that into like a chicken soup for the soul kind of book. Like, and what the friend that is better than you represents is, you know, your dreams. And well, I mean, it's like when you play someone who's a little bit better than you, then you learn. You can actually like comprehend how they're better than you and how to mm. sort of improve. Um, if they're, you know, like me playing someone who's like a like a five zero or something like that, they're just gonna they're gonna whoop my ass and like I'm just gonna be so angry the whole time. I'm not gonna learn anything. Well, on the two days I was off from tour between these two uh, two bands, we, we played tennis, and she has been taking uh, uh, lessons. And the good thing is that we're basically on par, but because she's taking lessons, the her coach is, you know, disassembling everything she's she's known, and she's starting from scratch with better form. So she's so bad right now. Yeah. So I, I kicked her ass so much, and I was like, all right, sweet, peace, babe. I'm going to go back on tour. Yeah, dude, I'll let you go, man. But uh, I'll I'll hit you up when I'm in town, and then uh, yeah, we'll make something happen. It was really great talking to you, man. Dude, ditto, man. Thanks for having me. All right, bye, dude. Talk to you soon. Bye. bye. And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye!